Um, I'm just excited because this morning is a special morning for all sorts of reasons. A little while ago, we were led by our students in worship predominantly. Did you guys enjoy that time? You thank them for that. Amen. You know, it really is a privilege to be able to serve and to work with students who are determined to follow and are determined to serve. And what you got to witness this morning is just a small part of what's happening in our student ministry. Uh, these students that were here on stage, some are in the booth right now and uh, others serve in other ways. They're part of a group that we call LIT or Leaders in Training. And these are students that have signed up, committed to serving and being trained in how to lead others well. And we praise God for what he's doing in that group and what he's doing amongst our wider student ministry, especially uh, with the like of Harrison and Miranda weighing in as well. It is a blessing to see our students grow and develop in the Lord. And I'm just, I'm privileged to be a part of that. But this morning is a, is a special morning for another reason as well. And it's because this morning we get to celebrate and we get to honor in particular our high school graduating seniors. And I'm excited to be able to do that. But at the same time, I also recognize that maybe there are those that are graduating at different stages of life. Maybe college students getting ready to head out into the workforce. Maybe there are students even younger ages graduating from elementary school or from middle school. All of these things, all of these milestones are worth taking time to honor. And so before I go any further, if you're graduating at any level at all, please hear me on this. We are very proud of you. We are excited to, to be able to come around you and to see what the Lord is doing in your life. But I do want to focus some of our attention on our high school graduating seniors this morning, if you'll give me that privilege. Because the reality is, it's taken a lot of hard work for them to get to where they are. Getting to this point, getting to a milestone like high school graduation, it's not an easy thing. Lots of hours of study, lots of hours of just grind and grit and determination have gone into getting them where they are. And it's good for us to stop and to celebrate those things, to recognize those milestones. But as we do that, we recognize that just as one era is ending, there is another beginning for them. There's another era looming. And sometimes when we, as believers, when we encounter those transitions in life, sometimes we can be thrown for a little bit of a loop. Sometimes we, we, we struggle to know how to Go through those points of transition well. And so this morning, I want to take some time to think about that. How can we live well for Christ in the midst of times of transition? And to do that, we're going to look at another champion of the faith, another young champion of the faith in our Who's Who series. Uh, and on Friday in the Fellowship News, I, I gave a couple of hints as to who we might be thinking about this morning, right? I said that this was a young person who was highly spoken of by those who knew them, and, and that later on in life, we see that this person becomes an example uh, for the gospel and a minister of the gospel as well, alongside the great church planting apostle himself, the apostle Paul. So do you know who I'm talking about? Timothy, right? My namesake. Uh, <laughs> I'm blessed because my parents named me after someone that I look up to in all sorts of ways. Because there's so many things that we can learn from this young man, church family. Seniors, wherever you are, see you spread out. There's so many things that we can learn from him. Even though we're about 1,950 years removed and he didn't have be real or social media, right? There's so much stuff that we can take from this young man of God. 
And so I'm excited to be able to, to think about him with you this morning. As we do that, as we, we begin, I want to build a little bit of a profile of him. And so to do that, I just want to start very simply by thinking about Timothy's context. I mean, where does this guy come from? He appears in scripture. We know uh, that he's a traveling companion of Paul, right? Paul even refers to him as his true son in the faith. But where do we meet him for the first time? What's his context? Well, if you do me a favor, we're going to look at a couple of places this morning God's word, but let's begin in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, because this is where we first meet Timothy in the New Testament. Paul, he's on his second missionary journey at this point, as you turn there, and and as he jumps in at Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it says this, Paul went on to Derbe and to Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. Now, if we just pause there for a second, this is helpful, right? It informs us a little bit about Timothy and who he is. First thing that I think is noteworthy is that this young man, he was a, uh, a native of the city of Lystra, is what scripture kind of points to, and, and most commentators would agree. I know it mentions Derby and Lystra, and also Iconium is mentioned later, but the common factor in all of it when it comes to Timothy is Lystra. And so he, along with his mother Eunice, and we learn from the pages of scripture later on, his grandmother Lois, they were all there together. And, and that's, that's a helpful thing just to note, because one of the other things that's worthwhile paying attention to is that this is not Paul's first trip to the city of Lystra. We can read about his first time when he visited there back in Acts chapter 13 and 14 in his first missionary journey, and specifically Acts chapter 14, verse 8 and onward. But the reason why I raise that is because when Paul first went to Lystra, there's no There's no talk about any other disciples there. There's no talk about any other believers in Christ Jesus. Yet, by the time he's back several years later in Acts chapter 16, there's a disciple named Timothy. There's a believing Jewish woman, his mother named Eunice. And so what we see is that God has used Paul in the life of Timothy to help him come to a place of faith. And that's just something that's helpful for us to pay attention to. Another thing just to note is that scripture kind of gives us this idea that Timothy grew up in kind of a mixed household, right? His mom was a Jewish woman by birth. His dad, though, he's a Greek, Now, not maybe necessarily directly from Greece, so some may make that argument. I think it's talking more about he's a Gentile. He doesn't know the the Hebrew scriptures. Yet, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul makes an interesting remark about Timothy. He says, and you know how from your infancy you have known the sacred scriptures. And so what we see in this young man is evidently in his upcoming, in his upbringing, his mom and his grandmother Lois, I believe, have opened up God's word, have opened up the Old Testament scriptures and have sought to teach Timothy. And so what we have is a very relatable young man to many of us in this room. Here is a young man who throughout his life has had the privilege of people opening up God's word, seeking to help him know and understand it. And at some point in Timothy's life, along the line, Paul shows up in his city and God uses Paul to bring Timothy to Christ in repentance and faith. And we see him step into the kingdom in that way. And it's a beautiful thing just to to take a few minutes to notice. 
By the time we pick up here with Timothy in Acts chapter 16, there's several years have elapsed since the first visit in Acts chapter 14. Some would argue up to seven years. And even though Timothy is still, even at this point, a young man, he has grown in his knowledge of God's word and he has grown in wisdom and stature. So much so that if you were to look at Acts chapter 16, verse two, it says there that all the brothers and sisters in Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. Here is a young man who has sought to to honor the Lord in the way that he lives. So much so that Paul decides he's gonna take him under his wing and says, right, you're coming with me. And from that point on, we see Paul take Timothy under his his wing and Timothy becomes a traveling companion of Paul and and a fruitful minister for the gospel himself. We know that just simply by looking through the pages of Acts and even Paul's writings, we see that Timothy ministered with Paul either directly or on behalf of Paul in places like Macedonia, all throughout Asia, in uh, cities like Corinth and Philippi and uh, Thessalonica. Even in Rome, he ends up in prison with Paul at one stage later in life and he ends up the pastor in Ephesus. He's had a fruitful ministry, but it goes even further. He's such a close companion and minister of the gospel with Paul that Paul personally mentions him in the opening greetings or the opening salutations of several of his letters, including 2 Corinthians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, as well as Philemon. But he doesn't just stop there. Paul also mentions him in the letters of Romans, in his letter to the Romans, and his letter to the Corinthians in his first letter, in chapter 4, verse 17. And he's even mentioned by the writer of Hebrews. If you're keeping track, that it does, by the way, that doesn't even mention the two letters that are directed to him specifically. But if you're keeping track, out of the 13 letters that Paul wrote of the New Testament, Timothy's mentioned in 10 of them. That just speaks to the relationship that they had, but also, I believe, the fruitful ministry that Timothy had as well. It shows us this reality that since he became a companion of Paul from Acts chapter 16 on, God had used him to have a fruitful ministry for the kingdom. And so when we think about that, when we just start to wrap our heads around that for a second, it gets me thinking, what was this guy like? What was, he, what was he like? How was he so fruitful? What about him made him so fruitful in the kingdom of God? Now, admittedly, scripture doesn't give us a whole lot in this regard, but the few things that it does mention, I think are very helpful and noteworthy. And so let's take a minute just to think about Timothy's character. I wanna point us to three, three characteristics that I see in Timothy. Number one comes straight from Acts chapter 16, verse one. It says there that Timothy was a disciple. He's a disciple, meaning at some point in his life, even though he'd been raised to understand the Old Testament, at some point in his life, God got a hold of him. And through repentance and faith, he put his trust in Jesus Christ for this life and for eternity. Now, before I go any further on that regard, let me just say, if there's any in this room that have not yet taken that step of faith, to come to Christ and plead for forgiveness for our sin and for our our enmity against God, know that the invitation is open through Jesus Christ. You can come just like Timothy did. Evidently, Timothy had taken up that invitation. He had become a disciple. He was a Christian. He was a Christ follower. But let me just drive in on this idea of what it is to be a disciple for a minute. Because sometimes we kind of put disciple and follower and Christian in kind of a category where we just kind of see them as like, well, we identify with Jesus, right? And that's, that's true. That's involved there. But disciple is more than that. 
A disciple was someone who actively followed their master. There was an old Hebrew kind of blessing that that people would give to young men who had been chosen by a rabbi, and it was this, may you be covered in the dust of your master. The idea was that as their rabbi walked along and kicked up the dust behind him in the hot Israeli uh, world, that the disciple would be so close that he'd be caked in that dust. To be a disciple is not someone to just say, well, I know Jesus, I kind of like him, but then do very little in life. No, a disciple is one who pursues, who actively pursues. It takes action on our part. We gotta get up, we gotta be focused, we gotta be determined in our day to pursue our master. Otherwise, can we really be said to be following if we're just sitting back on our laurels, so to speak? Now, I believe to be a disciple is to be one who actively follows but how do we do that? Seniors in here, high school seniors, how do, you, how do you follow well? Let me just be really basic. God has given us his written word, which tells us all about his son, the living word. If we want to follow our master, if we want to be a disciple who is caked in the dust of our king, then let us dig into his word. Let us pursue it daily. It is very, very simple to be a disciple as one, I believe, who studies the word, who knows it, who claims it, who applies it, and who follows the master. Timothy was a disciple. Second thing that I'd like to just point out is that I believe Timothy was confident in the Lord. One of the things that that is often remarked about the young man, Timothy, is that he was by disposition kind of a timid fellow. We get that idea from uh, one of the encouragements or admonitions or or reminders that Paul gives to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, where he tells him, for God has not given us a a spirit of fear, Timothy, but one of power, love, and of sound judgment. Evidently, Timothy was one of these guys who was a little bit quieter by nature. He was a little bit more timid. But Paul is saying, hey, Tim, it's okay. Step up. God will give you what you need. Be confident in him. And I think that's a helpful thing for all of us to understand this morning. Because what this shows us is that to be a follower of Christ, to be fruitful in the kingdom of God, does not require that you are the the biggest personality in the room, that you have the most charisma in the room. If it did, Timothy wouldn't have fit that bill. And yet he was fruitful in the kingdom of God. So what that helps us understand is it's okay if you're quiet. It's okay if you, if you don't like push yourself to the forward. Even though the world tells us that sometimes you'll just get run over and, and it makes little of those who are quiet and humble. No, it's okay to be that way because God can and often does do incredibly beautiful and wonderful things for his kingdom through quiet, unassuming, and humble people who are not confident in and of themselves, but rather are confident in the one in whom they believe because they know the God who dwells within them. They know his power and his might, and they know that whatever he calls them to do, by his spirit, he will empower them to do it. And that gives them confidence, not in of themselves, but in him. I believe Timothy had this characteristic. He had learned to be confident in the Lord in spite of his own timidness. And then thirdly, another characteristic that just springs off the page to me when I look at Timothy is this idea 
of faithfulness. Timothy proved himself to be a faithful disciple. Whether it was just sticking by Paul, no matter what that would mean, or ministering to the churches in that early church age, Timothy showed himself to be faithful time and time and time again. I believe that's why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 to the, to the church in Corinth. He says this in verse 17. He says, this is why I've sent Timothy to you. He is my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul evidently had great faith in Timothy and in his faithfulness, not only to him, Paul, but also to the Lord, to the word of God, so that Paul knew that he could send him wherever and he could trust that he would minister faithfully for the kingdom. I think that's why Paul kind of boasts about him a little bit in Philippians chapter two when he says this in verse 20, for I have no one else like-minded, or another translation is, I have no one else like him who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his, Timothy's, proven character because he has served with me in the gospel like a son with a father. Again, we just get this reality that all the way throughout the writings that we see Timothy mentioned in, whether it's Acts or the writings of Paul, we see a picture of faithfulness develop around this young man. Whether it's being faithful to Paul, his mentor and his father in the faith, all the way to Paul's death, or whether it's being faithful to the churches in in which he served, in spite of the troubles and persecution that came, ultimately he was faithful, and, and frankly, he was faithful to the Lord all the way through. That's the picture that we see of Timothy given to us in Scripture. And church family, seniors, please, let us not scan over that. Because there is tremendous, eternal, and heavenly value in simply being faithful. You don't need to be the biggest personality in the room. You don't need to have all the answers. You simply need to be faithful. Know the one in whom you depend. Show confidence in him and pursue him as a disciple. And when we do that, we honor our king and father. Timothy's context and his character but in the in the time i have remaining even though we've we can learn so much just from those things i want to take some time just to shift gears and and not so much look at the man anymore but i want to look at a challenge that was given to this man we'll think a little bit about timothy's challenge because as i said earlier our high school seniors and maybe others in this room are transitioning to a new stage of life and sometimes when we meet those times like i said they can throw us for a little bit of a loop What are we to do in times like that? How are we to serve well in times like that? I want to take us to 2 Timothy because it's in 2 Timothy that Paul, Timothy's friend, his mentor, his father in the faith, has given him a challenge in the midst of an impending transition in his life. You see, up until now in Timothy's life, he's had the privilege of having Paul as a mentor, as someone who poured into him. But that was about to change. Paul is convinced he knows that his time on earth is short. He knows he's going to be called home to glory soon. And so he writes to Timothy to encourage him and to challenge him in what he's to do in the midst of this difficult transition. And look at what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. This is just where I want to hang out for the, the time remaining. He says, but as for you, 
Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. High school seniors, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Church family, but as for us, let us continue in what we have learned and firmly believed. It is a very simple challenge and a very simple reminder, but it's so appropriate and so helpful for us to think about. Because again, let's, let's just remember, Timothy's in, about to go through a, a transition point, just like so many of us in this room are going through transition points. And we recognize that's not easy. Change is never easy. There are some people who like change. Y'all are weird. Change is hard, okay? Change is different. It's challenging. And not only that, but think about it from Timothy's point of view, right? It, it, there's going to be a wrench. There's going to be grief. There's going to be leaving someone that he loves or having someone that he, he's loved and cared for for so long be removed from him for a time. So many of our, our high school students are getting ready to head out to college. There's going to be wrench. There's going to be leaving. There's going to be stepping away from family. It's not easy. And not only that, but it's interesting because Paul has rooted this challenge to Timothy in a very specific context. And it's not an easy one at all. It's a context of persecution and of evil abounding. Look at it with me in chapter 3, beginning of verse 12. Paul starts saying, just after he's given a personal recount of some of the persecution and suffering that he's faced in verses 10 and 11, he says this in verse 12. In fact, all who want to live godly, a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Evil people meaning those who don't even try to hide it, and imposters, those who pretend to be something that they're not, will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. What a context for Paul to write, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Our seniors, like I said, are getting ready to head out to a new stage of life. And, and I pray, I pray, Church, please pray along with me that college or whatever it is they're heading to would be a time of, of learning and, and growth and fun and all sorts of wonderful adventures. And I pray that sincerely for every single, every single one of them. But I also recognize it's not going to be easy because we live in a broken world. We live in a world where evil is on the, on the move, where deception abounds. So therefore, when we engage with that reality, when any of us are going through times of transition and change, how do we deal with it? How do we see ourselves through it? How does God want to see us through it? Rather, it's simply continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. Don't, don't drift away from it. Don't be tossed to and fro by, by culture and everything else. No, cling to what you know. Cling to him. Cling to what you know already. So what do we know? Let me just start really, really basic. You know the gospel? Start there. Remind yourself of that. Why would we start there? Well, because someone once said that we should preach the gospel to ourselves every day and live in light of it. So let's preach it to ourselves again this morning. We know that 
because of our sin, we deserve to be separated from the good, loving, holy, triune God. We know that our sin deserves that separation. And yet, because God is so loving, so good, so overflowing and rich mercy, he did not leave us in that state. Instead, he sent his one and only son into the world, God in the flesh, God with us to make a way for salvation. And even though we can never live a life of sinless, righteous perfection that will be pleasing to God, He can and he did on our behalf. And even though our sin deserves separation for all of eternity, he took our sin upon himself and he took the weight of our sin, the judgment that was due to us, he took it upon himself on the cross and he died in our place. He died. Scripture tells us that he was buried, but praise God, it tells us three days later he was risen from the grave victorious over sin and death itself. And he stands now as the risen, victorious King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And he has opened up through what he has done for us on our behalf. He has opened up a way for salvation for any who would repent and believe. Again, I plead with you, if you're in here this morning or you're watching online and you have never taken that step of faith, let today be the day of salvation. Surrender to our King because he is worthy of all honor and praise and he is good. Why should we cling to the gospel? Why should we go back there if not just to preach the gospel to ourselves every day and live in light of it? Well, think about it like this. When you face transition, when you face hardship and you don't know quite where to turn or what to do, remember that if he's yours and you're his, he took you already from darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. He took you from death and gave you life. He took you from being an enemy of the king to being a son in the kingdom of God. Whatever transition you're going through, he's got it. We can be confident in him because of what he's already done in our lives. So cling to the gospel, remember it, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. But there's so many other things that we could say to this reality. There's so many other things that we could think about that we should know and cling to. We could go all sorts of different places in scripture, but we're in 2 Timothy, so let's hang out in 2 Timothy. Would you give me just a minute to to remind you of some of the things that Paul has already challenged young Timothy with? In chapter one, verse eight, he says that you don't need to be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, even if it brings persecution and ridicule. Why? Because in verse nine, it says that he saved you and called us according to his holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You are held, you are called before time even began. You don't need to be ashamed. You can boast in Christ Jesus. Remember that, cling to it, continue in what you have learned. In chapter one, verse 13, Paul tells Timothy, hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you've heard from me. Can I just make a note, especially for our high school seniors getting ready to go to college? Let this be a reminder of the importance of finding a solid church wherever you go. College is gonna be great. There's gonna be all sorts of opportunities, but if you do not have a solid church and biblical community around you, you're gonna struggle hardcore. Make time, put in the effort to find a God-glorifying, Christ-exalting, gospel-preaching church because you need it. You absolutely need it around you. We are not designed to do it alone. We do not have the strength, so don't try. 
Lean on him, follow his word, continue in what you have heard and firmly believed and find a church that teaches sound teaching. In chapter two, verse one, Paul goes on and he tells Timothy to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Don't go through life trying to do it all by yourself. We can't. We're not strong enough. We don't have enough fortitude. We don't have the ability to take on spiritual realities by ourselves. Instead, we should draw on the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He has made it available to us, so do it. In chapter two, verse 15, Paul tells Timothy, he challenges him that he should present himself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who rightly handles the word of truth or rightly teaches or divides the word of truth. Basically, what Paul is saying is, Timothy, know God's word. Know it, love it, apply it, hide it in your heart so that you can teach it to others. And we should do the same. We should show ourselves as ones approved before God. And then down in chapter two, verse 22, Paul tells Timothy, flee from youthful passions. College students or or high school seniors, you're getting ready to go to college. You're gonna be bombarded by all sorts of things. I don't care what campus you go to, it's going to hit you. We have it, we have it every single day. Let us flee from, from youthful passions and instead pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Why? Because they, Christ is the personification of, them, of the, those things. It is Christ that we are to be captivated by. It is Christ that we are to pursue. He is righteousness, love, faith, and peace in the flesh. And so we pursue him, not other things. Flee from those youthful passions and look to Christ. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, young people. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, church of God. This is our calling, that we would continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. And look at how Paul continues in chapter three, verse 14 of 2 Timothy. He says this, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed, for you know who taught you. Pause there. High school seniors, church family, who taught you? Was it parents? Was it small group leaders? Was it volunteers at church ministries? Was it ministry leaders? Was it pastors? Consider who taught you. Why? Consider their motive. Were they out to deceive, to trick, to pull the will, the wool over your eyes? No. They served you. They taught you because they love you. They want you to know the truth. This is important to remember because sometimes when we get out into life, we're hit by all sorts of things that would cause us to doubt where we came from. And we can easily put all those things out of our mind. No, Paul says, remember who taught you. You know them. Trust them. But even more than just trusting people, look at what he goes on and he says, he says, you have known who taught you, but you also have known from infancy the sacred scripture. We have God's word, which is able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, don't just even listen to the people who taught us. Go back to God's word itself because it was able to teach you and to give you knowledge so that you would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Therefore, you know it's trustworthy. You know it's true. And it's not just for eternity future. It is for life right now. That's why Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, says that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And it's in his word. How do we know that? Look at how Paul continues, because all scripture is inspired by God and is 
profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Guys, we can continue. We can hold true and hold fast to these things. Why? Because we know it's God's word. And it's just as simple as that. He is trustworthy. He is good. He has saved you. So hold on to him. High school seniors, as you get ready to head out, church family, as you face whatever you're facing in life, whatever transitions and changes come along, can I encourage you? Can I encourage us all and challenge us all to continue in what you've learned and firmly believed? Seek to learn from young Timothy, who was a disciple, one who pursued Christ. Seek to learn from the fact that he was not confident in and of himself. He was confident in the Lord and he proved himself faithful in life. And just continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. And I believe if we would just do that, if we would just apply God's word in this way, he will see us through. And one day, if we continue to continue, he'll bring us home to glory and we'll hear those famed And desired words, well done, good and faithful servant. Is that not the goal? Is that your goal? I pray it is. So let me challenge you. Continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the truth therein. Thank you for an example like young Timothy that we can learn so much from. Thank you, Lord, for the display of the reality that he was a disciple who pursued you. Thank you, Lord, for for the, the reminder that we can be confident, not in of ourselves, but confident in the Lord. And thank you, Lord, for the, the picture of faithfulness that we see through his life. Father, I pray that we would each seek to to take these things on board and emulate them in our own lives. Lord, for your glory, honor, and praise, would you help us to continue in what we have learned and firmly believed? Father, we praise you for your good word. And Lord, we pray that you would apply it to our hearts this morning. It's in Christ's name that we pray and by his spirit, amen.